Hi, you're listening to Fresh from the Hill, inside stories of noteworthy Cornellians. I'm Aaron Camino-Smith, your host for today. I'm a graduate of Cornell's architecture program in 2004. Very excited to be here with my guest, Justin Condrat, is with us today. Hi, Justin. Hi, how are you doing? Very excited to have you with us. Justin is a horticulturalist with the Smithsonian Institute Gardens Orchid Collection. Is that the Smithsonian Institute or just the Smithsonian? Uh, Smithsonian Gardens, but it's administered, uh, it's part of the, one of the largest museum complexes in the world, the Smithsonian Institution. It is an institution. It is. And the Institute. You also do plant-based art installations connecting people with plants. Most recently, you had the Pansy Project. We're going to get into all of that. We're happy to have you here. First of all, when I say Cornell University, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, I think honor. Honor. Wow, yeah. that's a yeah. that's a big one. Some people would say <laughs> ice cream or hockey. You're going honor. Yeah, I would say honor. Um I you know, there again, being of Cornell alumni, I'm really just honored to be a Cornell alum. I never thought I would actually be at Cornell and to be actually a graduate is really humbling and I really consider it a big honor. What made you feel did, that you weren't able to initially be at Cornell? Yeah, so I, I'm from upstate New York. Um, so I was raised by my mom and my dad also and my grandmother. Um, I come from a low-income family. I also was diagnosed with dyslexia from a young age. Um, they even thought that I wasn't even going to graduate high school. Um, sure did I prove them wrong. You showed them. Yes, I did. And through plants, um, I was inspired by my grandmother working side by side in the garden, uh, you know, cultivating the land making something beautiful out of just a, you know, pile of dirt. Um, so from that moment, I just fell in love with horticulture. And um, I was in high school, and one of my vocational teachers went to Cornell also, and he said that it was an amazing program at Cornell in Ithaca, New York. And I was like, you know, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And um, I remember I was at a board meeting in high school, and uh, I was speaking on half of the vocational training program because they wanted to cut the funds. Of course, technical training, they always yeah. want to cut. So I spoke and I said, you know, I really, you know, about horticulture, and how this program really helped me graduate high school. And I actually graduated at the top of my class, which is really, I still can't believe that even happened. Um, so I spoke and she asked me, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm going to go to Cornell University to study plant science. No matter how long it takes me, I'm going to get there. And she said, you know, that's an Ivy League, right? In that tone? In that tone. Uh oh. And so I was like, okay, well, now you gave me more ammo to yeah. do what I need to do. So from that moment, I knew that I was destined to go to Cornell. Um, so I ended up going to uh, SUNY Morrisville, State University of New York. Um, I did a two years associate's in horticulture production. Uh, where I kind of got, you know, my feet wet. I was the first time away from home. Um, so I was able to kind of explore who I was as a person and also kind of find out where I wanted to fit um, in the whole spectrum of things. And uh, I still had the eye to go to Cornell. So I figured I'd save a bunch of money since I was paying for this out of pocket. Um, so I decided to two years and then I ended up transferring to Schenectady County Community College to get some of my chemistry out of the way because I heard Orgo was a, a beast, if you could <laughs> say the, the, at the least at Cornell. Um, at that point, I wasn't accepted or anything, but I knew that I had to get there. Um, I would do visits to campus and met some of my future advisor, it turned out to be. Um, and as soon as I walked on campus, I knew this was the place I needed to be, um, whether it was the Cornell Botanic Garden or just the, the vibe that I got from all the professors and really welcoming, on, welcoming me on campus, even though I didn't feel I really deserved it or earned it. Uh, so... I ended up applying. I ended up getting in. Um, so, which was a really funny story. I was actually, uh, I got my, the email, welcome to Cornell. 
And I called um, the professor at Schenectady County Community College, the English uh, teacher at the time. And I said, I got some good news. And I said, I got in. And that moment, she looked out the window and there was a rainbow. Of course. And so, of course, I mean, typical Justin fashion. Nothing is, you know, duller. It has to be full of color and life. Um, so from that moment on, I, you know, that fall, I packed my stuff up and went up to Ithaca, New York, and my life has never been the same ever since. So that's why I kind of say honor, because it really is an honor to be here. And really, from a little boy that never thought he really could do anything to someone that's actually impacting people's lives through horticulture, which I was so impacted by. And it's an honor to even you know be here, but also to kind of share what I've been doing with the Pansy Project and Rooted at Cornell and whatever may come. I mean, I'm only 27, right? So they're yeah. the, the world's the oyster, right? That's fantastic. I don't know if you know this. There was a rainbow when you walked in as well, oh. right? As we started recording, I saw a rainbow out the window. Uh, rainbows just follow you wherever you go. That's right. I just need Skittles, right? <laughs> <laughs> so when you found out you got in, how proud was your family? Um, well, there again, it's a different thing. Um, so I'm one of the first generations to go to college, so my sister and I. Um, so my mom uh, didn't graduate college. My dad never graduated high school. Uh, so they, they really didn't understand the grandness of what was actually happening. Uh, my dad really didn't even know what Cornell was, even though we live in upstate New York. So that kind of just shows you the, the difference um, in our, our levels. Um, but my grandmother, even though she heard of Cornell, and she at the time she was um, 80. 85 and she was blind so for the last 15 years she was had been blinded um, by you know aging uh, eyes and uh, but she knew she knew what it was and so yeah. she was really proud you never got any pushback or anything from them saying what do you need that for or we could you well, help it was a little like here, they were or... you know it was kind of like why do you want to go on it's like well I need it's in here it's in my heart felt it, I, need yeah. to, I need to go and um, you know luckily I was fortunate enough there again being uh, with my grades my grade point average and transferring the corner I was able to actually get a full ride um, so wow. which was fantastic so I transferred in and I you know I paid off my last uh, student loan which was just for a, a MacBook uh, about two years ago so which is pretty so you're all set great. I'm all set I'm ready to go I'm ready for the next degree well maybe not quite yet but <laughs> you're only 27 who yeah. knows <laughs> what was your favorite class at Cornell Oh, there were so many. Um, I, th- I mean, they're all so different, right? I mean, if you ask, you know, what's your favorite kid? If you have kids, I mean, I, I don't have kids, but it would be, if, if you ask me how many plant, what your favorite plant is, it would probably, you know, vary per day. Obviously, um, that was my next question. Oh, exactly. But um, I would say um, I did garden-based learning in Belize. Um, there again, so Cornell, you know, offers a wide array of classes. Um, so this was through the uh, SIPS, uh, School of Integrated uh, Plant Sciences, and it was with Marsha Eam Shevely, who's a the art of horticulture t- uh, teacher, professor. She's an amazing person. And uh, this class was pretty much designed to create a curriculum for people in Belize. And so we actually worked together during the semester, worked with Plenty Belize, which is a nonprofit organization in Belize, and we created a curriculum that would be garden-based learning. So we actually during our was it spring break, we actually went to Belize and stayed in the community and actually taught garden-based learning programs within the local school. Not your standard helped. spring break. Exactly. You know, typical yeah. thing. And um, so we ended up showing, we built a, a garden for them. We showed them how to maintain it. We had curriculum. And that was a really great opportunity, not only to kind of showcase the importance of garden-based learning and horticulture, but also to have hands-on experiences with the students. And so in particular, there was a student there. Um, he was kind of in the corner. You know, he just, he was really, you know, 
delayed development kind of in the corner. It reminded me of me. And so when I went into that classroom, I was like, okay, he, he has potential. He's just misunderstood. So um, I ended up sitting with him and I worked with him for the, like the whole week. And by the end of it, he was asking questions, raising his hand. Um, so there again, it just showed the power of what I, I could do and you know the power that I could instill in others, but also the importance of classes that, such as that. Yeah. And learning about plants and Exactly. And just inspiring other people and, you know, getting them out of their comfort zone, um, you know, boosting their confidence, whatever it may be, but really helping them along. So it sounds like you had an amazing time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just one. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I had that was so just many from one things. class. Yeah. And that was just the one class. And there were, you know, there again, so many classes that I could just go on and on about and professors, kooky professors <laughs> and just uh, people that really are always going to have a place in my memory and in my heart. And so then how did you end up at the Smithsonian? Yeah, so um, I did a long list of internships to Cornell, kind of their doors open. But you, it's not just because you go to Cornell, it's what you do with the opportunities that present themselves. So I've had a slew of internships um, from ranging from at the Cornell Botanic Garden, where I helped with um, programming and um uh, marketing uh, for the summer. So I always spend a summer in Ithaca, which I would highly recommend. And if you haven't had a chance for any alumni listening, definitely go back and visit, even if it's for a reunion or whatnot, go back. It's absolutely stunning. And definitely go visit the Cornell Botanic Garden. It definitely is a gem. Um, so I did an internship there and I took photography and just had a really great time. And then I actually went to the National Tropical Botanical Garden on the um, head headquarters on Kauai which Ooh. is, um, you know, the Hawaiian Islands. And so I was there for three-month internship in horticulture, uh, tropical horticulture. And I got to learn all about the different tropical fruit trees and the various, um, you know, different tropical nuts and various um, ways to cultivate in tropical climates. Also learned about Hawaiian plant conservation there again, because it is considered the um, plant extinction capital of the world. So I got to learn a, a lot about kind of the conservation efforts through the National Tropical Botanical Garden. Actually, also worked with Patrick Doherty, who's a stickworks. He's an artist that weaves uh, giant bam or bamboo or... Uh, wood, uh, you know, willow branches together to make an art form. So he actually came to Cornell several times and at the Ithaca Children's Gardens. So I got to work a little bit with him there, but I got to work with him in Hawaii. So I helped him out with that. And then I went over to the Lion Arboretum on um, uh, Oahu and was there for about a month working with the pre-K uh, pre um, in their programs in horticulture and got to see kind of that interaction with the university and kind of understand that. And then went over to the Ruth Bancroft Botanic Garden um, in Walnut Creek, California, where I served as an executive assistant intern. So I learned about kind of a f how to run a 501c3. And there again, what does it really take? And more of the management side and capital campaigning. So we're slowly getting closer. Yeah, to we're getting closer. We're okay. getting closer. Yeah. And then um, then I actually got my first job offer. So I, there again, I was bouncing around a lot. So I decided I really needed to kind of get a job. Uh, you know, start <laughs> paying off some internship. of the, exactly. Yeah. So um, get some experience under my belt. And that's where I actually got an opportunity at um, the U.S. Botanic Gardens in the United States Botanic Garden, Washington, D.C. and Capitol Hill. And that's where I worked as a gardener in the horticulture um, within orchids. So there again, I helped cultivate their orchid collection. So I did that for the last three years. Um, I, you know, organized an orchid show, Orchid Spectrum. I did various um, collaborations um, accessibility programming, connecting people with plants and all different aspects. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up uh, getting the opportunity to head and manage the Smithsonian Gardens uh, Orchid Collection. So I just had to jump on that opportunity. Well, we will all be asking you for tickets. Oh, yeah. Show. <laughs> well, it's free. It's wonderful, mm -hmm. right? So it's... Have you ever worked in an office or are you always 
outdoors. Outside. I try to be, I, well, there has to, there's some, you know, I do have a computer cubicle that I work in to do some of the curatorial stuff in my current job. Um, but mostly it's outside or under glass, right? Um, life is always fabulous under glass, especially when it's uh, 30 degrees or freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's quite wonderful being surrounded by lush green. So you don't miss that idea of ever trying some corporate job or corporate reality? Um, if I did, I would have a twist to it. I don't know what that twist would be, but yeah. it, it wouldn't be the typical, you know, nine to five in a cubicle. Yeah. Doesn't seem like you could ever be boxed in. <laughs> no, I, I can't be tamed, right? So, Those walls would be knocked down right away. You oh, have exactly. Plants. No, no be, walls. Yeah. So, so you were at, so you're still at the Smithsonian now. Sounds yes. like you're doing wonderful stuff there. And it sounds like you're loving it. I am. It's, it's such a tremendous opportunity to help um, steward this collection. There again, it is one of the largest orchid collections in North America. We have 6,000 plus plants in the collection. Uh, so every plant is pretty much, yeah, it's actually a museum piece. So there again, mm-hmm. it's with the Smithsonian Institute. So every museum piece has the same value as a piece of art, say, hanging in the National uh, Portrait Gallery. So there again, that each orchid is a collection item. So I get to help steward that, that plant to make sure that it gets everything it needs from the water, the light, the growth, the temperatures. Yeah, is there pressure? To, you have to keep There's a little bit of pressure. Piece. There's a little bit of alive. pressure. Yeah. You know, there again, because orchids, um, you know, some could be very finicky. They're not just, you know, leave them and forget them like different succulents and other plants Um, you know and there's just so many you know there again there's over 25,000 naturally occurring species that are found all over the world besides Antarctica we don't have them all that would be impossible Um, but we do have a great representation um, of species diversity and then also hybrids so there again man-made crosses are you are you a beast at trivia night if it's a if it's botanical related, I might question. be able to. I might be able to kick uh, kick some. Uh, yeah, plant def- butt. if that final question and they say the topic is orchids, then we know we're betting it all. Ding ding! Yes, <laughs> for sure. I will obviously. take home that microwave. <laughs> so, so talk to me. I want to say what would a typical day be like for you, but it sounds like you don't have a typical day. No, it kind of they're going to ebb and flows. It's kind of it changes with the seasons too. what time of the day it is, who we're working with, uh, how the plants are growing, what exhibitions we have coming up. So there's always something going on. I mean, it's never the same, whether we're trying to diversify our programming, trying to, you know, culture different orchids from various regions, trying to build our collection, refining our collection, you know, putting a data within our databases for each plant, uh, taking photography of the plants, making sure that we have accurate records. I mean, there's something, there's so many people in the mix too, which makes it, makes it exciting from researchers, researchers coming to visit from other, uh, persons from university, um, from other students and interns. Is there, is, do you have a plan for the next five to 10 years of where you want to see yourself still within the Smithsonian or? Well, I just started, so I, right. I, I've been I've been there for about almost three months now. Um, you know, I just I want to I want to be at an organization where I can contribute, and then once I feel that I have to move on, I'll move on. Um, you know, once I feel that I've you know kind of reached my max and I'm not learning any, and believe me, the Smithsonian has quite uh, the learning that I have to do. I'm not going to be hitting that that glass ceiling anytime soon. But everything's great under glass. Oh, I mean, it is great under glass. But sometimes you have to burst through, right? The palm yeah. trees grow upwards, right? So. so in addition to all this amazing work you've been doing, specifically with the orchids, mm-hmm. you're also involved in a lot of art projects and a lot of art installations that you want to connect people to plants. Do you feel there's a really strong need for people, maybe just in America and the world, to have that connection to the, the green environment? 
There is. I mean, we've lost it, I feel, and a lot of people, you know, in society, they don't really understand. It's always down at their phone or not looking up. I mean, one of the greatest things is to look up. One of the greatest gifts that I, they're going to, actually, I learned at Cornell was, you know, to look up, you know, the trees will tell you, you know, and you look what season it is, or there might be some animals in there. I mean, so there again, they can tell you so much. So I, I think people really need to slow down. You know, the plants will continue to grow, but you need to watch them grow, like just slow down. Um, and they can tell you a lot about kind of what's going on. And I mean, they just help so much with spaces, with you know, getting your hands in the dirt, uh, so to speak, or having a beautiful flower that you haven't seen. There again, I like to say it's like seeing an old friend, right? Um, you haven't seen them in a while, but then when they bloom, it's like, oh, I missed you. I didn't realize how much I missed you. There's a great scene in the movie Amistad where one of the guys, I think, sees an African violet and touches it and smells it. And you can see it so clearly reminds him of home that plants can have that kind of... No, they can. And that's what I, that's what I strive to, you know, regardless of what position I'm in in the future or wherever I go in the world, you know, I, I want to connect. I want to have that, you know, human interaction with plants and really getting people inspired. So, so how are you doing that with your art projects that you've been doing? Yeah. So, you know, my professional life with the Smithsonian, then I have Justin's personal, uh, personal life. Ooh, um, let's get into Justin's yeah, personal, personal life. life exactly. Whichever way you want to go, we'll see business. what happens. Um, so there again, with these community-based art installations, there again, I, you know, I, clearly I find a need in, you know, horticulture and really connecting people with plants. So I was, um, you know, I've always had this connection ever since I was little there again with my grandmother and every plant really, you know, that we grew, I remember, remember the smell, the size when it bloomed. Um, so I was thinking, what can I do to kind of honor her? Um, she passed away uh, about four years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, what could I do? And, you know, there again, art, you know, because I am I am an artist. Um, I was thinking, why don't I get a tattoo? I mean, it forever marks. Um, so I ended up researching. I was like, what plant do I really have that's really close to me? And that would really kind of emulate what I feel. And I came back and I thought of the pansy, so the viola. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, my mom's name is Viola. So, you know, I was like, hey, perfect. that's perfect. Um, but the pansy really there again, there again, I do identify as a member of the LGBTQ community. I identify as queer. And, um, you know, thinking horticulturally, uh, the pansy is really just tenacious. It's really resilient. Uh, no matter how long much it's knocked down with the ice and the snow, it always comes back up with a smiling face. It always shows that face proudly. So I figured I really, I should do something with the pansy. Um, so I ended up doing some research. I worked with some artists and I actually have a, a full botanical um, pansy tattoo, which I'll show you in a little bit. Will we have pictures on the website? Oh yeah, and I can, I can get yeah. pictures. And um, so I got that and I was researching and I was kind of thinking, how can I tie the pansy with something botanical, horticultural installation in the city, the communities, what can I do? So um, I was Googling and I was Googling, you know, pansy art, pansy in the city, pansy whatever. And um, I said the pansy project. And that hit the Google search and it came up with a, a gentleman, Paul Hartfleet um, in the UK and the pansy project. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. What is this? So I started to read his, um, his website. And so what he's been doing for the last 13 years is at the site of homophobia. So if someone's been attacked or even murdered or something they've been shouted at, something negative that leaves an impression in them, he plants a, a pansy at the site of homophobia. So there again, it's reclaiming the site and n- naming it as it is with a, a pansy there. It's very intrusive. It's natural. It's green. 
Um, and then he actually takes a a picture of the pansy. And it's usually in a location where you can recognize it. So for example, um, in the back of the Eiffel Tower. So you can look and you'll see the Eiffel Tower in the background, you know where it is. And then he'll name the artwork, whatever happened, whether it's, you know, the person was murdered or kill, you know, killed or um, something was shouted at them. And he just titles it just as that. And so I was really kind of inspired by that. So I was like, okay, well, I kind of want to bring this to Washington uh, since we are in different times right now. I'll just say that. And um, I'm like, you know, let's, I'll see what he says. So I emailed him and I didn't expect him to email me back. He's like, oh, some, some yank from America. What do they want now? We know you don't take no for an answer. No, I don't. I don't. Um, So on the first try, I said, well, let's do a Skype. And I said who I am and what I do. It's like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll Skype. And then uh, the next week after about a two and a half hour Skype conversation, you know, I'm like, I'll see you in the spring. You're coming to Washington. We'll wow. see how we get you there. And uh, we worked together for about nine months planning it. Uh, They're again looking at sites where we would plant the pansies, kind of where we would go, who we would work with, collaborations, how would I get the money, X, Y, and Z. Um, so we ended up planting 23 pansies all over D.C., all over the district, um, several in some very um, high-trafficked areas. Um, I'll just say that um, I wasn't. I wasn't at well, when when I, when he was doing those locations. I was not there because um, there again, I'm I'm a government employee, so I ah. said, you know stand aside. Um, but we planted um, pansies all over, and um, they're again all at sites of homophobia, and about half of them were for trans murders, so persons that identify as transgender. Um, that were actually murdered. So we did several of those all throughout the city. And we worked with the local police departments to kind of get these locations that were deemed uh, homophobic hate crimes. And did you feel they were supportive? Did they just kind of go along? Yeah, no, they were totally fine with it. You know, there again, it was very obtrusive. Um, If it wasn't an area similar to if it was on the parks land or in downtown DC, we did remove the plants. Mm -hmm. um, So they didn't stay there. um, And we made sure that we didn't, you know, leave any holes or any marks. Um, but in other areas, we did leave them just to kind of, you know, within the community to kind of call call what happened there. Where could we find documentation of this? Do you have a website for it? Yeah. So if you go to www.pansyproject.com, uh, um, you'll find it. And if uh, you follow Paul Hartfleet um, on Instagram, you'll find uh, mm-hmm. his photos there and kind of see what he's doing. Are there plans to do this in other cities? Um, yeah, so there's, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of areas where this project could uh, take, yeah. take root, um, unfortunately. Um, he actually did, after D.C., he actually went to Kansas, which was kind of funny. So he went to Kansas after Washington um, and planted several uh, pansies out there um, in cooperation with the mu- a museum out there. Um, eventually, he does plan to probably come over here again and do more. Uh, there again, we had over 100 sites in D.C., and that was just within a five-year, past five-year period. So. What What has the response been? Have people been ex- not excited about it, but have people been on board with it or moved by it or anything negative? Um, it's been pretty, you know, there again, when we were on the site, I actually, before we did the project, I actually flew to the UK and I did a few plantings with him to kind of see how I, how I felt. And we did one year Buckingham Palace, which I was kind of like, okay, hopefully the queen doesn't come out. <laughs> but because um, <laughs> I'm the queen here now. Um, so... Um, we did one there and that kind of gave me a feeling of kind of how people react. Mm-hmm. If you see someone just laying on the sidewalk, taking a picture of a pansy, it's kind of like, what's going on? 
Um, so we did that and then, uh, we came to DC and it was pretty good. I mean, everyone was pretty responsive. People would see it and kind of be like, what, what are you doing? Um, and then we just say we're with the Pansy Project and we tell them a little bit about it. So everyone was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, if the police officers, we had a police officer come up to us and, uh, we were just saying, oh, we're just planning a Pansy here. We can remove it if you need us. And he was like, oh, please, it's beautification. So, wow. you know, there That's again, great. it was, it was very, um, well-received, um, mm-hmm. in that regard. Justin, it's fantastic that plants and a specific plant, the pansy, which you so beautifully described, by the way, I've never heard anyone describe a plant that way of bursting through the ice and smiling at you. And I don't think I've heard that kind of poetic way of describing the emotion behind a a plant's decision to face the sun. But just can you just talk a little bit about the idea of horticulture and how important it is? And first of all, give even just a basic definition of what the word horticulture means. Yeah, so there again, horticulture is really the art of growing plants and using science to do so. Um, so there again, horticulture, um, a lot of people don't know what it means, actually. They're kind of what, plants, flowers, what, what's going on? But uh, the, it actually is a career. You can make a career out of horticulture. Um, there again, I've, I've been able to, so far, you know, make a pretty successful career out of it. Yeah. And I'm just beginning. Um, but horticulture there again has such a, a place in everyone's life, whether it's, um, you know, remembering what your grandma used to grow or your grandpa or even your mom or dad, um, or friends or loved ones. So there again, flowers have such an important impact in all of our lives. And we have lost that I feel in society. Well, not to mention um, food. We exactly. Food. I mean, food, <laughs> I mean, agriculture, I mean, the reason why this country has been so successful is because of our soils and we were able to tell the soil and to grow fertile crops. Um, there again, the Native Americans grew well before the settlers came over. Uh, but there again, it's all rooted in horticulture and agriculture. Was that, was that a pun on purpose? Oh, always. Yeah, rooted in horticulture. Why not? It's interesting because I there's a farm in Long Island that we do a farm share where we pay in advance at the beginning of the year and every week get a delivery from them and just become so aware of the seasons and what's seasonal and what grows at what time and you realize, oh, I shouldn't be getting strawberries in the middle of February, should I? That's not the correct thing to be eating. No, exactly. And that just kind of shows and it, it brings you back to the whole cycle, right? Like how much we're using our, um, our you know, carbon imprint, you know, kind of what we're using, fossil fuels. And so we can be more conscious. There again, our planet is, we get one planet, right? So we need to be mindful. And there again, with agriculture, horticulture and the plant sciences, it's really kind of we need to utilize that more to really kind of help everyone and help our communities, not just by food, but also by um, interaction. Justin, this may be a really difficult question. It's like picking your favorite child or favorite flavor of ice cream. What is your favorite plant? Oh, oh gosh, this is a hard one. Um, Oh dear. Um, you can't just say orchid. Yeah. I'm not just going to say orchid. There's, you know, over there again, over 25,000 species. Um, do you have a favorite orchid? I would say Phragmopedium bessier. So that's from South America. We can't both say that one. I know. So dang. (laughs) Well, do you have a favorite plant outside of orchids? If we limited it to that, if it couldn't be an orchid, you could say anything. You could say blueberries are delicious. Sure, I could say that. And nutritious, right? Antioxidants. Um, I would say I'm feeling like sunflowers today. Oh, yeah, I like sunflowers. Helianthus. Yeah, I'm going to do a sunflower. What would you say if you could give some advice to young you from way back, the one that was told you wouldn't make it or that's an Ivy League school? Are you sure you want to do that? What would you say to yourself? 
I would say just keep on, you know, tilling the soil, you know, it's, you know, in time things will develop, you know, you, you're, you're beautiful, you know, you really are someone that deserves to be here. You deserve a seat at this table. And that goes for anybody that is, you know, comes from um, low income or low economic status or um, different minority groups, or if they have problems with depression, um, anxiety problems, um, it, or if you're from another country coming over here or vice versa, um, you know, you really can do it. And you just don't say no, you know, you just keep pushing and there will be someone that will see the light in you that you necessarily don't see at the time. So just keep on pushing forward and, you know, you can do anything that really you put your mind to. Just keep chugging along. And be that Viola never, that, exactly, that grows never, towards the sun. Never forget, the, never forget the flowers and never forget the power of horticulture. Oh, that is fantastic. I think we have the tagline for this episode. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Wow. Well, Justin, thank you so much for coming. We were so happy to have you here. So check out the Fancy Project online. Yes, please check it out. Yeah, check it out. Is there a donate button on there? Um, they're probably well. He has a uh, various merchandise, so you can get some merch and be swagging with the various merch. Yeah, support, and you can also check out the Young Alumni Programs website for upcoming events and information on how to stay involved. That's alumni.cornell.edu/youngalumni. Stay connected. Follow us on Facebook page. On our Facebook page, you could also check out my own website, which is funnyaaron.com. It is stand-up comedy which is, uh, I guess, growing towards the spotlight. Not quite the sun, but still going towards <laughs> a light. And I also have my own podcast called But I Also. It's a podcast exploring not only what you do for a living, but also what else you love to do. And maybe we'll have Justin as a guest on that one as well. You never know. Stay tuned. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you all for listening. Music for Fresh from the Hill was written, produced, and recorded by Kia Albertson-Rogers, class of 2014. 